Good morning. You always have to kind of look in the back to see if I can say hello or good morning or whatever it is. Uh, good morning to everyone in the room and to those who are camping today. Uh, they wanted me to give them a special shout out this morning, so uh, welcome to our, our service this morning. And I trust that um, your hearts are prepared as we remember um, our Lord this morning. And all that he has done for us in the past, all he does for us today, and then all he will do for us uh, in the future. Um, this morning, I wanted to just make a couple of announcements by way of reminder. We will have a movie night, uh, Friday night, and um, the uh, movie will be shown at 6.30, and the movie is entitled Risen. We've shown the trailer on that two or three times um, also, I announced last week um, that if you wanted to come and fellowship, <clears throat> excuse me, um, pick up some food uh, and bring it some to, for yourselves and for me, we will be here at uh, 5 o'clock, and um, the building will be open, so if you wanted to kind of coordinate with some folks here and do that, um, I'd encourage you to. It'd be an opportunity for you to fellowship uh, with others, and so the building will be open at 5 uh, the fellowship hall will be available. You can uh, sit in there and eat a meal. And at 6.30, we will begin uh, the movie Risen. And I know many of you have already invited folks. And we'll just pray that the Lord will, will use that uh, outreach event to um, introduce some people to Christ. Maybe they can come to know him as their Savior. Wouldn't that be wonderful? So that's Friday night at 6.30. I um, also wanted to uh, make mention of our uh, sunrise service next Sunday morning. At 6.30, um, we know that folks can get up uh, early because one got up this morning and was here for sunrise service. Um, just ask Tony Cooey about that if you're interested in, <clears throat> in knowing. <clears throat> he told me I missed, missed a, a great service, so... <laughs> If, you're, if you want to know about the, how that service went, just see Tony afterwards. <clears throat> but we will have another sur- sunrise service uh, next Sunday morning at 6.30. Uh, sunrise will actually take place, um, according to the Weather Channel, at 6.24 uh, next Sunday morning. So if you want to see the sun literally rise, hopefully the weather will cooperate and uh, but it's at 6:24. Our service will start at 6:30. Want to make mention of the fact that the 6:30 service is going to be a completely different service from 10:30. So if you're going, I'm going to choose one. Well, I guess you can still do that, but both services are completely different. Different music, different message, the whole nine yards. So, you know, I just want to make sure you're fully aware of that. That. 6.30 is um, not like, well, if I come at 6.30, I don't, I don't have to come at 10.30. Well, you don't have to, but I would encourage you to be involved with both uh, services. After the sunrise service, then we'll have a pancake breakfast. Let me mention one more thing to you about the sunrise service. We're going to try, weather permitting, to have that service out there close to the picnic area uh, here uh, outside, and that's where we would like to do that. I would encourage you, if you would like to, to bring your own chair, all right? That's not a requirement to attend the service, but you may want to do that, to bring your own chair 
uh, and sit out there. Obviously, we have chairs we can take out there, and we will have those available for you if you don't bring your own chair. Um, someone asked me about the weather, and I'm like, well, I don't know. The Lord's got all that, but it won't be any colder out there than it is in here, so you ought to be all right um, next Sunday morning uh, at 6.30. So then after the, the sunrise service, we'll have a pancake breakfast. If you have uh, not uh, signed up for that, the way you do that is there'll be uh, two ladies out in the foyer, Amanda Laughlin and Debbie White. They'll be out there after the service this morning. You can just go by and pick up a ticket. You do not have to bring that ticket back with you. All we're trying to do is get a number. We actually had 140 last week. So we're very, very encouraged by that. It'll be a lot of pancakes. So and a lot of good bacon. And always good to eat bacon. So um, that'll be next uh, Sunday morning from 7.30 to 8.45. And then immediately following that will be our Sunday school hour and from 9 to 10. And then we'll have our service uh, at 10.30 uh, next Sunday morning, our regular service. So um, I would say are there any questions, but I'm not going to. If you do have some, you can come and ask me and I'll try to fill in the blanks for you if any of that is unclear. I think it's a really big week coming up for our church body. I'm so, so thankful we have the opportunity to do some of these things. And you be praying about all these things that will take place um, not only Friday, but then next Sunday as well. Um, okay, I think that's all that I'm going to say by way of announcement. Oh, one more thing. Uh, we are having a new to grace um, on the 23rd of this month. And so if you're interested in becoming a member or finding out more about membership here at, uh, at Grace, that will be on the 23rd of this month, and you can sign up for that out at the visitor's booth out in the foyer. We'd love to, to tell you more about the church and more about what we do here at Grace. So make sure you take advantage of that. I think to kind of set our minds... Um, in a direction for worship, I just wanted to read from Psalm 95. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm just going to read the first um, six verses, but I wanted you to just uh, Psalm 95, <clears throat> verses 1 through 6, as we begin our, our service uh, together. The psalmist says, O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Why? For the Lord is, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods, in whose hand are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for it was he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And then he begins to say why we should do that, for he is our Lord. He is God. He alone is God. So as we come this morning, let's... Uh, just bow. I'm going to give you just a minute where you are to bow, and, and then I'll pray, and then the guys will start leading us in, in worship through song. So let's bow together.
Lord, we live in such a busy culture. There are so many distractions in our week that do take us away from you at times. And Lord, we confess that to be the case. Um, Your word tells us to set our mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. And so we understand that there's that we have to deal with on a regular basis. We understand that the command from your word is to set our minds on the things above. I was reminded this week as I was listening to a message that in Philippians that, Lord, we're to dwell on those things that are good. And I pray that you would help us in our minds this morning that we would dwell on good things. That we would be reminded this morning about your goodness. That we would be reminded this morning about your sacrifice. That, Lord, we would be reminded this morning about your, your grace and your love and your mercy. And that we would be reminded this morning that one day our Lord and our Savior will return for us. All those that belong to him. So I pray that you would, Lord, be pleased with our service this morning as we um, worship you. And I pray that our minds and our hearts are right before you. That we might give you all the glory. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. All right, guys, as we remain standing, can we all agree together that he is the centerpiece of our worship? He's the centerpiece of our worship, and um, we, uh, we humans forget that so often and so easily. We are prone to worship other people, other things, ideas, um, and this song is all about, God, we, even in the midst of worship, we, we need your help to focus on the fact that you are the centerpiece of our worship. Sing together. When the music fades And all is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's worth That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the part of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it When it's all about you 
It's all about you, Jesus. King of endless worth. King of endless worth. No one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours, every single breath. Oh, I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship It's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord It's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. When it's all about you, cause it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made. When it's all about you, I'll bring you more than a song I'll bring you more than a song You're looking into my heart Into my heart This is what Paul wrote about the God and the Son of God that we're worshiping this morning. Colossians 2, verses 13 and 14. He says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Isn't that great this morning? We've been forgiven all of our trespasses. And he did this by doing this. It says, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So what was the record of debt? We read that in Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somehow in the sovereignty and in the wisdom of God, he made us right by sending the perfect, sinless 
sacrifice. In essence, it took him to pay the price for our sin. And with the payment of the price for that sin came freedom from so much. Freedom from the power of sin. um, Freedom from the penalty of sin. And as we know, one day we're going to be freed from the very presence of sin. And that's what this next song is all about. We are no longer slaves. We're no longer slaves to fear. But anything related to sin and all that is connected to it, we're free. Let's sing together. One no. Sorry, guys. There we go. <laughs> Had to get the key. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Sing with us. For I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. For I am a child of God. You unravel me with a melody And you surround me with a song Of deliverance from my enemy Until all my fears are gone oh, I'm no longer a slave For I am a child of God Oh, I'm no longer a slave to fear For I am a child of God From my mother's womb You have chosen me Love has called my name. Oh, I've been born again to your family. Your blood flows through my veins. Oh, I'm no longer a slave to fear, for I am a child. Of God, oh, I'm no longer a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. Oh, I'm no longer a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. Oh, I'm no Father, and 
And I am surrounded by songs of deliverance. We've been liberated and from our bondage, and we're the sons and the daughters. Sing out freedom. Oh, 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 made us his own children. We've been adopted into the kingdom of God. We are, we are the sons and daughters of God this morning. What a tremendous, tremendous blessing that is. And the amazing thing is, he is holy, holy, holy. He paid the penalty for our sin, and yet he's still holy, holy, holy. God of wonder, like no other, set apart from sinful men, and holy righteous, and so unlike us, your unveiled glory none can stand. 
eyes are purer than to see any vile or evil thing perfect pure and spotless lamb you are holy holy lord almighty holy holy lord you are
you guys. Those are some really good songs that we sang. Helps us to kind of reflect, think on the Lord and all he's done for us. And I trust that um, this morning you are already in the process and have been of preparing your hearts as we take of the Lord's Supper together. A few weeks ago I was riding in my truck and I have a lot of time just to talk to the Lord. I, I really like doing that when I'm by myself. And so I was talking to the Lord and just asking Him to give me clarity about the next couple of weeks. And, and He's done that. It, I just thank Him so much for His faithfulness. Um, and part of that was um, putting uh, on my mind George Mirage. And I kept thinking about George. And I'm like, why am I thinking about George? Lord, and, um, and he showed me. And there's something that George is going to share today. This is kind of a two-part thing. You get me for just a moment, and then you'll get George for a few moments. And then we'll have the Lord's Supper together. But one of the things that um, I've come to appreciate over the years is the faithfulness of the men who taught me at Southeastern Bible College. And their continued a race that they're running for the glory of the Lord. And there's something specific I mentioned to George, and I wanted him to, to share this morning. I don't know if he'll share that. He has the freedom to, to share what the Lord puts on his heart. But it's just something that I think is important for us to hear as a congregation. And I thought, well, I could prepare that, or I can just give it to George. And the Lord's like, that, just give it to George. He's better at it than you. And so just give it to him. Um. In 1985, which was a few minutes ago, uh, I was in my first homiletics class, and um, that's a preaching class for those of you who are maybe not familiar with that term. And um, I remember sitting in the class and, and receiving the syllabus from Dr. Talley, and he outlined exactly what we would be doing, and obviously preaching was the issue, and so we had different lengths of sermons. Can you believe there was actually a 10-minute time for a sermon, and 15, and 20, and 30? And, and so we did that uh, during the semester, and it was my first exposure to, to that. And I remember very vividly one classmate, uh, it was his turn to preach. And he walks up behind the lectern, and um, Dr. Talley was in a place that sitting behind a window where he could see the students, but the students couldn't see him. And we had headphones on, and he would talk to us about what the student was doing, right and wrong. It was awful. And um, so you're supposed to keep a straight face and preach and such. And so there was, it was a particular guy. He stood up, and uh, he said, I want you guys to turn your Bibles to the book of Acts. And I don't remember the exact chapter. It was in the 20s. And if you've read the book of Acts... When you get in the 20s, there's some long chapters. And it was supposed to be a 15-minute sermon or something like that. And he stood up and, and he read uh, the text. And then when he finished reading all 20-something verses, he closed his Bible and said, May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Well, <clears throat> yes, the Lord will bless the reading of his word. But then there's Dr. Talley. And Dr. Talley expected him to preach through that text. 
I have, in all my years since that took place, have not forgotten that event. It is so vivid in my mind. And um, a few years ago, one of the elders said to me, Hey, Thad, you know, have you ever thought about just standing up and reading Scripture for your message? And I said, never. And he said, I think it's something you should consider. So this morning, my part in this is to read Scripture. So in homiletics, I would get an F. But in terms of God's Word and the fact that God's Word does not return void, um, it's something that I think uh, an exercise that probably the church should be more about than it is. I know that's far in thinking to maybe some of you, but it certainly wasn't far in thinking to the Apostle Paul. In fact, if you will just start here, if you turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm just going to read a few texts this morning, and then George will come up. Hopefully these things will kind of lead us to what we do today. But Paul wrote to Timothy, verse 12, let no one look down on your youthfulness, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. And then notice verse 13, until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. So part of the exercise that we should have in the church, from what I can gather, because Timothy was obviously um, involved with the church at Ephesus, is to read the Bible. You say, what good is that? Oh, it's how do you put a value on that? We know that the Word of God does not return void, that it's powerful. It's a sharp two-edged sword penetrating as far as joints and marrow. And maybe there would be some scriptures that I read today that are just for you. Something that the Lord has said that we need to consider. So, with that in mind, these are the texts the Lord led me to. All of them eventually pointing to what we uh, do this morning. But I want to begin in Genesis 22. So let me hear you. I don't often ask you to turn with me many places. When I was a child, it was one of those things you just did... And if you have your phone or your tablet, that's fine. You can use that as well. But Genesis 22, we're reminded of God's provision. Genesis 22, excuse me, we'll begin reading in verse 6. Genesis 22, verse 6. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so the two of them walked on together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Look at these words. And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Can you imagine what that journey must have been like? Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. 
But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And then Abraham raised his eyes and looked and behold, behind a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. And all God's people said, Amen. I want you to take your Bibles now and go with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, that little prophetical book. That was a joke, in case you not read Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 9. This is foretelling the Lord's death. Look what the scriptures say. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 9. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by a scourging, we're healed. You guys know this song? It's put into song form. Beautiful. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom... The stroke was due. His grave was assigned with wicked men. Yet he was with a rich man in his death. Because he had done no violence. Nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Now we advance to the New Testament. I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 22. The scene is the Lord with his disciples just before um, the Garden of Gethsemane and before his betrayal by Judas. Verse 14 of Luke's Gospel. Excuse me, verse, yeah, verse 14 of Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. It said, When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. 
For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. When he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. When he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Can I just make one comment about this? Remembrance doesn't mean the same thing for everyone. This is what I mean by that. Sometimes you remember something and it's just like a fleeting thing. It's, you remember it for a second and it's gone. I don't think that's the idea of remembrance when it comes to the Lord. I don't think it's just a fleeting thing. I think it's the believer remembering every single thing that the Lord Jesus went through in order that we might have eternal life. So that's just a little commentary. Verse 20, And in the same way he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The next passage of Scripture I want you to go to is the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9. Now, I could have read, because it's so rich, the entire book of Hebrews, or I could have read to you chapters 9 and 10, but for time's sake this morning, I'll just read part of chapter 9, which we will focus in on verses 11 through verse uh, 14 of Hebrews uh, chapter 9. Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place, how many times? Once for all having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now guys, he entered one time and by faith in the Lord Jesus, you and I can have everlasting life. And this everlasting life that's given to us is a life of service to him. It begins at the moment of salvation and we serve him and we serve him and we serve him. So the believer never has to do this. The believer never has to ask this question, Lord, what do you want me to do? He wants us to glorify him, and we do that through serving him in many other ways. 
The next text I want you to turn to with me is 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2. And some of the words that you'll hear in this particular text you heard in Isaiah. 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 21 through 24. And Peter writes, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled... He did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Why? So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. Now, if you just took those scriptures and you read those every day, you might come to the conclusion that not only is our God the God who provides, but the one who provided for us a way to have eternal life through his Son. And you would come to the conclusion that as we read in 1 Peter, what Isaiah said hundreds of, hundreds of years before Peter wrote again to remind us of what Jesus Christ was willing to do in order that we might have life everlasting. And then you would think about that upper room and you would think, wow, that was quite an exercise for those disciples to hear what would transpire because the cross was still in front of the Lord Jesus. So when we remember, when we come to a time like this, it's more than just, okay, his body and his blood. There's so much more to consider about the Lord in relationship to his suffering and what he was willing to do. Now, the way that we come to the table is very important. And before George comes up, I wanted to just close my time this morning by reading 1 Corinthians. And you've read it probably a hundred times We've probably read it a hundred times together. But I do want you to be reminded this morning of how we are to come to the Lord's table. And so, remember the Corinthians were abusing this time, the Sagape feast, which was to be a time of sharing and remembrance. Some were being drunk at the feast and some, some were not sharing. And so it was an opportunity for the Apostle Paul to remind them of the consequence of not examining themselves properly. I think it's good for us to consider what the Scriptures say as it relates to coming to a time like this today. Paul says in verse 27 of chapter 11, he writes these words. And he's just gone through um, the points about his body and his blood. And he says... Verse 27, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. In other words, 
there's sin in their life. Okay? Shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So he says, here's the solution. But a man must examine himself. And that's first. And in doing so, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. So when we come to a time like this, it's for personal reflection in your own personal life, not the person sitting next to you. They're not eager that you would point out their sins. That is between them and the Lord. And confession, as we've learned in 1 John, is really, really, really critical. So verse 29, he says, For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. And look at verse 30. For this reason, because some were not judging the body rightly. He says, For this reason, uh, many among you are weak and sick and a number are dead. That's the word sleep there. Verse 31, but if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Guys, if you're in Christ today, there is no condemnation. But the responsibility to examine ourselves every time we come to a time like this is critical. And so I'm just going to ask you to bow. We're going to pray, and then George is going to come and share with us this morning before we partake of the Lord's Supper together. Lord, it's just good to read your word. It's good to be reminded about your provision about what was said through the prophet Isaiah, that there would be one that would come and take our place and die for our transgressions. It's amazing when we truly meditate on that and think about that. Oftentimes our remembrance is so short. I pray that today maybe it could be a little bit longer as we would think on and reflect on what took place, everything that took place at the cross and before the cross leading up to the death of our Savior. Lord, we'll celebrate and we do every day, but we will celebrate together the resurrection um, next Sunday. Thankful that we can do that every day. But as we give attention to that next week, I pray that the service would honor you, that we would come prepared as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Lord, this week, we want to remember what you've done for us. And so as we have a time to reflect and to confess those sins that that easily are are taking place in our lives, Lord, I pray that we would, would confess knowing that you forgive. And that the word confess literally means to agree with. And so I pray that your spirit would search us and show us this morning those things in our lives that need confession. May you receive, Lord, all the glory and honor this morning as we continue uh, with our service. And I pray for George as he comes and shares. And all this I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. George.
I appreciate the opportunity just to be a part of our service this morning. As you grow older, I'm learning that people begin to wonder if they can depend on you. So you get lots of reminders. And this morning, Thad texted me with a reminder of how long I had and and so I said, honey, I said, nobody does April Fool's stuff anymore. So I responded to him, and I said, 15 minutes for what? I said, Glenda and I are in Florida. What, what, are, you, what are you talking about? And then uh, I quickly added, just kidding. Uh, thank you for the reminder. I'm ready. I'll be there. And, and so here I am. Uh, there are many of you uh, that maybe this is your first time to sit at the Lord's table uh, here in this fellowship. And um, if you know Christ, you're a part of his body. And this table is a time of remembrance for all who know Christ. Uh, and so we want you to uh, be a part of it. When the elements are distributed, we're going to wait until we've all received, and then we'll partake uh, together. Um, I appreciate some of the passages that Paul, that uh, Thad uh, uh, read to us. I've got it on, fellas. But uh, there we go. But I want us to... Uh, uh, read uh, a portion uh, that was also included in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when Paul gave the church instruction concerning the, the Lord's table and concerning the Apostle Paul. Uh, I was reading just yesterday in a book uh, called Spiritual Leadership by J. Oswald Sanders. He said, It's characteristic of truly great leaders that their stature looms larger with the passing of the years. When viewed from any standpoint, Paul the Apostle grows in moral and spiritual grandeur the more critically he's analyzed. It is small wonder that A.W. Tozer designated him, quote, the world's most successful Christian, unquote. How amazing that God should select the most ruthless and aggressive enemy of the church and transform him into its most outstanding leader and chief apologist. And I think that's true. And uh, we want to look this morning for a moment at Paul's words uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 as he spoke to the body of Christ that was there at Corinth and knowing that his letters would be circulated to all the churches. And 2,000 years later, we are still able to read what the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches. And it begins in verse 23, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it 
and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we see that word remembrance that Thad spoke about. That tells us that this is not a sacrament. This is not something that's going to make you more saved or more savable. This is not going to keep you from losing your salvation. If you keep coming to the Lord's table services and be faithful to that. This is not a sacrament. This is a memorial. This is a time to reflect, to remember, to remember who our salvation involves and what he did for us at Calvary's cross. And after the bread, in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Wish we had more than just 15 minutes. Maybe 16 minutes would help. But uh, for generations and generations and generations upon generations, Israel lived under the Mosaic law. And that law demanded animal sacrifices. There were daily sacrifices. And then there was that once a year, day of atonement sacrifice, Yom Kippur, the covering, the atonement. When blood, uh, with the animals, the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat, and the angels were hovering over the, the Ten Commandments that Moses received at the mount, And as the blood covered those commandments, it provided a covering. The demands of God's righteousness would not be demanded today. And for a year, Israel had a year of grace. Their sins were not taken away forever, but they were, the judgment for those sins were postponed for one year. And they did it year after year after year after year after year after year. But when Christ went to the cross, he annulled the Mosaic law. God said, never again come to me on the basis of animal sacrifice. From now on, you want to come to me, you come to me on the basis of my son and his sacrifice, his atoning blood. And so at Calvary, the old covenant was nullified and the new covenant was ratified. And that covenant is given in detail. We're not going to go there. I've only got 17 minutes. (laughs) But in Jeremiah 31, God reveals through Jeremiah the prophet that the day will come when he will enact a new covenant. And it will be totally different from the Mosaic covenant because it will involve a once-for-all sacrifice and not that of an animal but that of his own son. And that covenant was promised to the nation Israel. And yet we know that the nation Israel, when they were confronted with Christ, they said, crucify him. When they were given a choice between Barabbas and Jesus, they said, we'll take Barabbas. The worst threat to civilization that was in their day. They'd rather have him than have the Son of God. But it was Christ who went to the cross 
And he went there to atone for the sins of humanity. And in the present age, Christ is building his church. And our salvation in the church is built on that new covenant. You say, well, that was given to Israel. It was. Well, what are they doing with it? Nothing. They don't enjoy it because they don't believe. There will be a day when God will change all that. And Israel will believe. And the kingdom will come and their Messiah will rule and reign over them. We'll be there too. But until that day, the church is enjoying the benefits that God had always intended to come to Israel. And then through Israel, the Gentiles. And so it's very special that we remember with the cup that something changed at Calvary. That was not the sacrifice of an animal. That was the sacrifice of the incarnate Son of God. And it was done once and never again to be repeated. Then he tells us in verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Three things I want you to remember about this passage. First of all, it, as often. He doesn't tell us how often. There are some fellowships that every time they meet, they partake of the Lord's table. That's their prerogative. There are others who do it on some other basis. Here at Grace, to be honest, I'm not sure what the schedule is, but we, we space it out. And I think in part because we want it to be fresh every time we come. We don't want it to become a daily routine. Not that that would be wrong, but knowing myself, I enjoy Christmas a whole lot more and know it only comes once a year. If Christmas came every day, I'd be broke <laughs> and very upset. Each fellowship determines how often they will eat the bread and drink the cup. That's for us to decide. But as often as we do, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that's the second thing I want you to remember. You proclaim the Lord's death. We're proclaiming the gospel of grace. We're proclaiming that he died for me. It's no accident that this merged church took the name Grace Community Church. We couldn't think of any one word that would better challenge us to what we now are in Christ and what he wants us to be. Our life is all about grace. We don't merit anything. It's grace. You did nothing to provide for your salvation. Well, but I went to school. I went to Jerusalem High and, and Hebrew prep and, and even that school over there uh, on I-20 doesn't matter where you went to school, or it doesn't matter if you didn't go to school. It doesn't matter how hard you, you tried to work. It matters, uh, the, the one thing that matters is what did you do with Christ? Did you accept him or did you reject him? Did you see him to be your savior, the one who died for your sins? Or are you still trying to say, well, if, I, if there's a heaven, I'll get there my way. Well, there is only one way. 
But we proclaim that. Your participating is your way of saying, I'm one of His. I've accepted the gospel of grace. Jesus is my Savior, and He's my Lord, and I want to honor Him and serve Him until He comes. And thirdly, He is coming (laughs) until He comes. He is coming. All I can tell you is that today we're one closer to that time than we were yesterday. But the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago believed that Jesus could come at any moment. And the people in the first and second and third century of the church, they believed that Jesus could come at any moment. Now, how can so many of us be wrong for 2,000 years? Well, we're not wrong. His coming is imminent theologically. There's nothing that has to happen before he comes. There's no prophecy that has to be fulfilled. He just has to come when the father says, son, go get your church. Go get your bride. It may be today. It may be tomorrow. But he is coming back. So what Paul is telling us in verse 26 is that we decide how often we're going to partake of the Lord's table. And in doing so, we're proclaiming his death. And, and that's a pregnant phrase. We could spend 18 minutes just talking about Christ's death and all that was involved on the cross. When for the first time in eternity past, the Son became separated from the Father. Every time I say that, I have to give a caveat that I'm not sure I can fully explain that, but that is what I think is the truth of God's Word. Jesus suffered physically. There's no question. His physical sufferings were tremendous to the point of physical death. And that was important because by His conquering death and rising from the grave, we have the promise that one day we will conquer death. And what a, what a blessing that is to people who've gone before us. At the rapture, a generation is going to be taken up. But what about all the ones who are in the graves or in the sea? Paul says to the Thessalonians, they won't come before us. Those in the grave will rise first in Christ. We'll all be brought together. We have the promise of resurrection. But not only did he die physically, but he died spiritually. And it all began when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken by his own people, the Jews. He was forsaken by the rulers over the Jews, the Romans. If he's a king, get rid of him. We've already got a king. We call him Caesar. But finally, he was forsaken by his father. And for three hours, the father and the son were separated. And no communication, no fellowship, no whatever they had done for aeons of time going back before even the creation. But at point in time, the father and the son became separated because sin was put on him and God had to look away and turn away. But after three hours, he then cried out, 
tetelestai. It is finished. And the only thing that can be in the context to help us is what he's just been through. And what he had just been through was the atonement. Taking the sins of the world upon himself. Sin was imputed to Christ. And when you put your faith and trust in him, God takes his righteousness and imputes it to you. So you have the only righteousness that is necessary to be pleasing to God. You must have his righteousness. And you get it when you trust Christ. Because he imputes to you his very own righteousness. So you're always acceptable to him. So just a reminder, it's a privilege to sit at the Lord's table. We don't do it every Sunday. But as often as we do it, what a thrill, what a joy to be taking part in a service where the focus is on him, not us. The focus is on who he was and what he did for us, the atonement, and the reminder that he's coming back. He's coming back. So let's be faithful. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow. But if not tomorrow, what are you going to do tomorrow? to honor him, to serve him, to proclaim him. We proclaim him today as the Savior of all who put their trust in him because he was the God-man, the Son of God who at point in time added a human nature without sin so that he could walk among us and represent us and have the sins of humanity put on him. And Jesus paid it all. Well, I'll ask our men now if they'll come, uh, those who are going to serve. Do I need to call the names out? I think y'all know. Okay, good. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, um, I'm going to ask uh, Steve, if you would, <laughs> if you don't need that, would you give thanks for the bread? Lord, I was just thinking how you know everything, and that should make us humble indeed, because we know ourselves. You did something for us that no one else could do. Your body was given for our sake. And as we partake of this bread this morning, may we keep in mind how great you are compared to ourselves. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.
Jesus, when he gave them the bread, said, take and eat. This is my body, which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Bill, would you give thanks for the cup? Father, it's such a holy remembrance to the sacrifice that you made for us, and I'm just so thankful that uh, the grace that you provide for us was through a sacrifice that we can't understand, we accept and remember it. And I just pray that this day, as we remember the blood that was shed from your perfect son, that we would apply that to our lives and know that we're free, free to share the greatest news ever given because of the greatest gift ever given. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.
And likewise, when he gave him the cup, he said, this is the New Testament in my blood, the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink the cup, do so in remembrance of me. Let's stand and remember him in song. mystery of the cross I cannot comprehend the agonies of Calvary and you the perfect holy one crushed your son and drank the bitter cup reserved for me and your blood Washed away my sin, Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied, Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. sacrifice I've been brought near the enemy he made your friend and pouring out the riches of your glorious grace mercy and your kindness know no end your blood and your blood has washed away my sin, Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied, Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Lover of my soul. Lover of my soul. I want to live for you. 
Sing this song together. You want to come up here? You did it last week. Y'all doing another one? Yeah. So that would have made that even sweeter if he'd have come up here. So, uh, what's that? Let's sing this together, guys. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain, no, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No I know nothing but the blood of Jesus. No, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> that wasn't, wasn't on the program, so we can't do that. No. <laughs> uh, you know, in 1985, uh, the Lord gave me my wife, and in 1986, we decided to go to Faith Chapel of Huffman, and one of the big reasons was because of George Moranch, and this morning I was reminded about why I love listening to him. Um, he's a tremendous Bible teacher, and uh, the running joke, just so you, you know this, and he would not be able to deny this. If you missed the first 20 minutes of class, you didn't miss a thing. He was, he was telling stories. <laughs> so for the next 50 minutes, he would teach. And uh, what a blessing. And it's a blessing for me to um, be able to have him and Dr. Hughley uh, here. And they're a blessing to this church. And we are so, so thankful for their ministry. So thank you, George. It was a wonderful, wonderful job this morning. Truly appreciate it. 
Let's uh, pray together and then you'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much that we can say that Jesus Christ is our Savior and our Lord. And I pray that this week, as we have opportunity, that we would proclaim your death until you come. You've given us a job to do. I pray that we'd be faithful in that. And Lord, I pray that what takes place Friday and next Sunday, uh, Lord, if you don't come back before that, that we would be faithful to, um, to share. And uh, Lord, that you would, just next Sunday, I pray that, that your spirit would guide everything that's done and said. We want the Lord Jesus to receive all the glory. And we thank you this morning for everything that uh, we were able to participate in that uh, brought glory to you. In the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.